Welcome to Leverage Masters, airing weekly on Tuesdays at 12 Eastern and on demand on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Leverage Masters hosts Jack Humphrey and Gina Gaudio Graves discuss leverage strategy with guest leveragists. Be sure to subscribe to Leverage Masters in your favorite podcatcher for great tips and case studies on using leverage to achieve your biggest goals much faster. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Leverage Masters here on Blog Talk Radio. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Graves the Dean and Founder of Directions University at DirectionsUniversity.com and the co-founder of both Divisio, the all-new affiliate network for people in all niches, and The Leveragists at TheLeveragists.com. Jack and I have been so looking forward to our guest today. We have my co-host, Jack Humphrey, the Associate Dean of Directions University and my all-around partner in crime. Hello, Jack. Howdy. Yes, we have the infamous today. I can't wait. This is going to be a good one. Well, tell everybody who or who we have to share with them today. We have herself, Felicia Slattery. <laughs> she is an Amazon number one best-selling author of Kill the Elevator Speech and a creator of Signature Speech System and co-creator of Signature Speech and Webinar Wizard. Her clients include experts, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and celebrities to help them deliver speeches like a pro and get amazing results. Felicia, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me back, guys. I love being on your show. Well, this is the first time you've been on the show with me, though, right? No, we did it together a while back. I'm glad I was so memorable. No. Shut up. No way. We, no way. I would never forget herself. Not possible. You're so funny. Oh it must have been 12 years ago or something when the show just started. It was a while ago, that's for sure. That's for sure. So, uh, you know, what have you been up to? What gets you out of bed in the morning? What are you excited about right now? Well, you know, I, uh, I'm excited because I got a new house. Congratulations. I meant to just go ahead and say that before you even brought it up, but very much congratulations on that. I know that you worked very hard to get into that particular house. Oh, you're not kidding. You know, and that's and that's actually what um, you know, what kind of brought me here again today is um I I did some hustle to get here and uh you know, there's yep. the short version of the story. We were we've been working with uh, a mortgage person since February and Everything was set up and was working and it was fine and we had you know we had a long period before we wanted to close because we wanted to wait till the kids were out of school yada yada and about three weeks four weeks before the schedule closed they said oh by the way you need to come up with tens of thousands of extra dollars you didn't know you were going to have to come up with and I was like what what <laughs> and, and it was like a huge surprise. So I uh, I went to work and um, did some of my own uh, my own hustling and uh, and got it done. So I'm just so excited and uh, and happy to be here. And um, and that actually I, I noticed I don't know why I don't know if it was because um, there was something happening out in the world outside of me or if it was because I was focused on you know hustling myself to kind of get everything in place and. And make all those extra mo- all that extra money that I needed to make, but I started noticing a few of my friends in the internet marketing community talking about how the hustle is not a good thing, and there was this really this backlash against it. And I wrote a Facebook post, and that Facebook post had uh, well over fifty comments and more than a hundred likes and you know loves and whatevers. Um, yep, and, some of them are mine. And, yeah, yeah, and you and Gina both commented on it and said, we got to talk about this on the show. And I said, all right, and here we are. God, there's so many directions we can go with this. One of the things, and I don't know why I didn't think about this until just now when you were recounting the story, I watched as it unfolded, of course, as much as you shared on social that we could learn about, and I was like, I was just observing, and it, and it never really occurred to me until just now that you did a thrival challenge, what we call a thrival challenge. 
And we put, we put bachelor's students through this every once in a while, and they mm-hmm. absolutely love it. Um, and it's usually when somebody comes up with some sort of need like you had. Um, mm-hmm. Somebody is building their business, they just started, and they need to get their mortgage payment covered. While their business is just getting going, they're a little tight or whatever. And whenever mm-hmm. something like that comes up in our group, we're like, well, hey, let's everybody jump on this and have a thrival challenge. Not a survival thing. It's a thriving mm-hmm. thing. But you will be hustling. You will be, you know, <laughs> figuring out a way that is any way that you can bring in revenue, regardless of what you have planned for your business or what you might be doing in your business at that moment. And so yeah. some of the things include, like, you know, people in the bachelor's program at Directions University are well-versed, well-versed in social media marketing and all kinds of things, and they're learning that stuff to use in their own businesses. But there are thousands and thousands of businesses out there that don't know anything about what these guys know, and, and they need help. And so it's like, well, okay, it's good that you're learning this for your own business, but that's got a little bit of a longer arc. You need money now. You need you know, to do something now. You need to feel good about your skills that you've gained so far and everything else. So go out there and pick up some of that low-hanging fruit, some of that money that's laying on the ground waiting for you that you couldn't do yesterday because yesterday you were like 100%, I'm on my business, I'm developing my business, but today a problem came up. Something came up where you needed to bring some quick money in. And today you can look at everything that you've done and, and so and so forth. So they go out for a week and everybody reports back. They don't have to do that example um, but they do have to make something happen, and they love it. I mean, what was your fe- what, what did it feel like when you accomplished that? When you got everything together, uh, and anything that you want to share about how you you know what you had to do to hustle that together to get that stuff together at the kind of the last minute to get that house? How did that feel? Oh my gosh, it was uh, it's such a relief, really. I mean, it's it's it, it was euphoric. It was it was just. It was amazing on so many different levels because, I mean, there was a point where almost everybody was like, there's no way. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. there's no, like, and my, my agent, you know, thought, well, I guess she's just not going to get that house. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. You don't know. <laughs> you, don't know <laughs> you don't know what I know. Hold on. And, um, you know, and my husband and my children watched and, um, you know, like, and, and they watched from inside the house, but, uh, you know, where we were living at the time. And, of course, you know, I let people watch kind of from the sidelines as much as I shared on social. And um, it, was, it was really an amazing experience. And, you know, it's interesting that you talked about social media because that's actually how I did it. I, um, and and my, next, one of my, my next upcoming book is going to be about, and I, I don't know what a title will be, but something like Build Your Tribe Before You Need It. Build your network before you need it because yeah. we're all gonna. You all need a network at some point, and it's one of one of people are like. How do you do that? Well, because I, I build that network. I actively communicate with people on a regular basis. I don't just go at them when I'm trying to sell them something or when I need something. I try to help people as much as I can. I comment on people's stuff, and I do this through social media a lot. Um, I interact with people. I celebrate them when they have great successes. I you know, I cry with them when they post that they, you know, they lost a pet. Like two or three people that I know lost their dogs this last week. I was like, oh my gosh, that's so sad. And, you know, and I and I comment on those kinds of things and and you know, new babies being born and uh, you know, people going on fantastic vacations and and dealing with problems or or having a rant or whatever. I jump in and I you know share my two cents and say hi or or whatever I'm thinking. And so when it comes to the time, like it did. Uh, about a month and a half ago, where I needed something, I, people were ready to help. And so I posted on Facebook, um, I said, my challenge is your opportunity. And I don't remember word for word what I said, but basically I told the, the, the brief version of the story. We suddenly need to make what feels to us like um, an impossible amount of money but I know that it's not impossible, and um, I pray a lot, and I've been very vocal about my faith, and so I, you know, I believe in miracles, and I talk about that all the time, and so for the people that I'm associated with on social media are, are generally of the same kind of belief system that miracles can happen, and we, we, we want to help, and, um, and so I listed out 
uh, I said, all right, so this is, what, this is what I can do for you. If you want to get on more stages, I can help you do that. If you, when you get on stages, if you want to be able to sell more and make more money from it, I can help you do that. If you want to, and I listed these things out, one, two, three. If you want to tell better stories in your marketing and in your business, whether it's in writing, whether it's on video, whether it's on a stage, I can help you do that. And I listed out all these very specific things because, you know, when you're, when you're specific with people, they can, they can go, oh, all right, that's awesome. I happen to have a master's degree in training. And if you want to develop a training program, I can help you do that. As easily as you wake up in the morning, I can write a training program. So I wrote, I'd like, I wrote all these things. I probably had six, seven of them. Um, again, very specific types of things. And the next thing I knew, that post was shared 25 times. I had hundreds of comments. I can't tell you how many private messages, how many phone calls I got. And within a few days, I raised, um, I raised more than what we needed. And um, it was just, it was amazing. And, and most of it was big, big, big ticket sales, um, $2,000, yeah. $3,000, $5,000. Um, and then I had a couple of friends in marketing who, you know, and because the following week I launched, a, I launched a $27 product. And you think, well, how, is, how in the world are you going to make tens of thousands of dollars with a $27 product that, by the way, you're also <laughs> paying out affiliate commission on? <laughs> like, how is that going to happen? Well, I had a couple of friends with really big lists who said, I'm happy to help you. I don't need affiliate commission for this. I'm just happy to help you. I, and they sent out emails. I had strangers sending me cash in the mail. I didn't really want your product because I do speaking kind of stuff, but my heart goes out to you, and here's a hundred bucks. Like what? And it's 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 just amazing the way that the relationships that you know the people that I work with that they've built with their list that they can say, hey, I got a friend and she needs some help. Go buy this thing because that'll help her, and you can help in your own little way help her get into her house. And I I can't tell you how many people now that we're in say, oh, I bought your thing when it was for sale. I'm so glad I got to do my part. And you know, it's just it's just it's been so fun to be part of that and you know there's the there's the whole the yin and the yang the giving and receiving and I give a lot and so when it came time to needing to receive I was very open to that as well so um gosh it was it it was just an amazing it was amazing to be in the middle of and live in that um for the time it was exhausting (laughs) but it was amazing yeah man yeah the energy I was just reading um the untethered soul that Gina so kindly gave me for my birthday. I had not read that book yet. Not sure if you've heard of it, but it's uh, got a uh, it's got a section in it. God, I'm I'm making it required reading for everybody I ever talk to from this day forward because it is okay. that kind of book. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. It is wonderful, and so it was talking about um, you know the energy that you get when you're depressed. When you're just skating along and maybe your wife or your husband left you a girlfriend problem, something big happened in your life and you just you feel down. Everybody's felt this, right? Everybody's been mm-hmm. sitting on the couch with, a, with some sort of an ice cream thing on their lap and <laughs> not having any energy in the world, you know. Uh-huh, Keeping up uh-huh. your energy from a, from, a, from a food standpoint, right? It's not that you're not eating and you don't have energy because you're not eating. Oh, you're eating. There's pizza boxes everywhere proving that. But Mm -hmm. there's no energy. You're just wiped out. It's just Mm -hmm. depression city. It's whatever. We've all been there. And then uh, the example in the book is your girlfriend calls and says, I don't know what I was doing. I I am such an idiot. I want to talk. And all of a sudden, you have no energy. Then you do. You have all this energy in the world. And where did that come from? Because it didn't come from food. It didn't come from caffeine. It didn't come from anything because all those things previously, 30 seconds ago, didn't work at all. You had no energy, and everybody's been there. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. Then all of a sudden, something happens that just you, you get this boundless sense of energy, and you got energy from your people. From you, you, were getting, you were making a withdrawal from the bank that you've been investing in for all these years, being such a giver, participating in other people's lives, caring, being passionate, being the person that you are, and you, you needed to make a withdrawal from that wellspring of goodwill, and you did. And not only did you get the money out of it, but you got the energy to be able to go through 
this whole thing because, you know, you got what you asked for, which probably meant an awful lot of work in, in just the <laughs> ramping did. up of people and the fulfillment that you have yet to do, right? So you're mm-hmm. like, where's all this energy going to come from? It came from your people. They didn't just give you, you know, referrals and, and become clients and things like that. They gave you their energy. That's where that wellspring must have come from. Is that how it feels? Yeah, you know, that's a fantastic way to, to describe it because that's, that's truly what, what fueled me through the process was just the positive energy that I was getting from, from every corner, everywhere. Um, it, was, it, it was exactly what you described. And uh, I didn't have an ice cream eating moment. I just I had to roll up my sleeves. Here we go. I'm going to make the tapping moment. But, but the energy that came from, yeah. from the people. Because had I shared that, and, you didn't you know, have time had, to sit on the couch and eat ice cream. You had to move. Had to this this was going to happen quick. That's right. <laughs> so um, you're right. And it just, and it, you know, the faith that, that my, my husband and my kids put in me, they were like, we're going to get that out. Mommy will figure it out. <laughs> I'm like, okay, mommy's figuring it out. So it was exactly that. And uh, I've had such a great time also working with those new folks that came on board. And some of them would never, ever have become a customer had I not put that out there. And, um, you know, some, some, some people were doing some really cool things in the world, some pretty successful folks, like, reaching out and like, hey, I love you. I, I, I went out, I've been thinking about doing this. I've been thinking about calling you. Now seems like a great time. Like, where were you last week? Would, would you not call the me? Why not? Yeah. Yeah. The lessons <laughs> here are just deep, 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 deep and wide. Uh mm-hmm. Because every time you, you say something, I think about 12 things that, that we could go off on, but that one right there is, is a good one. Just to stick with that for a second, customers who were never going to be customers became customers. They were never mm-hmm. going to be, unless this event happened, unless exactly this event happened, they would still not be your customers. They would still right. not be your clients to this day, which isn't that long away from when the event happened, but they were not planning on it. And then this is what – so isn't it kind of strange how we, we talk so clinically about marketing and how to sell stuff and how to get the word out there and attract new clients and new prospects, uh, leads and lead generation and the, the clinical application of Facebook and Google ads and retargeting and all this stuff. And you could talk about that to the rest, for the rest of your life and never touch on what happened to you in this event, which mm-hmm. actually got people – out, really literally out of the woodwork to, you know, they were, they were background supporters of yours. They loved seeing your stuff. They saw your stuff every day on social. They were friends. They talked to them at conferences probably. And, you know, but they were always just in the background. And the only thing that was going to trigger them into becoming clients was an event like this. And mm-hmm. I'm only bringing that up to say, isn't that freaking interesting? Yeah. You know, what I – I, if we wanted to break it down into marketing terms, they and this is and this is very true. Like I talk about this all the time when I'm teaching people how to do how to you know do self on the stage or self on a webinar. If you give people a reason to say yes to you in that moment, the ones who've been thinking about it will, and the ones who didn't even know they were thinking about it may also jump. And that's what happened is I gave them a reason. And a lot of times we talk about marketing reasons. And for me, it was more of an emotional reason. And I said, I'm making mm-hmm. a deal. I'm making, this is the week. I'm making deals. So you're not going to have to pay whatever my full rate is. You tell me what you want of the things on this list, and you tell me what you want to pay for that. <laughs> and, I'm, and maybe I'll, and I may just say yes, however crazy it may seem. And so... Um, and honestly, if I didn't, the deals weren't like that crazy deep discounts. It was just, it, but it took people going, ooh, I could get a deal on this. Like that was their reason. And, and, I want, and, I, and they felt good emotionally. So people buy based on emotion always. So their emotion was, I can feel good about this because I'm helping her and her family. And so now I feel good about something that I also need because I want to get better at my speaking or I want to develop a training program or I want to get better at stories or whatever. And so they, they were like they, their need and their, um, and their want got to match with the emotional purchase. And that, I think, was, the, was what the impetus was for the people who said yes. We uh, sometimes I'll get into... 
um, an older story that I have about when I was doing Content Desk back in the AdSense days when everybody was building those nasty, nasty little sites that uh, were specifically built nasty so that people would run away from them with their hair on, like their hair was on fire, and the only way out was through a click on an AdSense ad. This uh-huh. is how they made all that money, right? That mm-hmm. was the year before. The year after that, it started to slow down, and I started Content Desk for the specific reason that we saw the writing on the wall. Google was going to require at some point that we actually take better care of our visitors and we give content, you know. Uh-huh. And of course, it's not the kind of con- it's more like about.com content, you know, that mm-hmm. has somehow lasted to this day. But you know, we didn't do that great of a job, but we did a much better job. And and then. And then, you know, people's AdSense checks started going down, and we were there to catch them all right when that crash happened. And we started a movement. I started accidentally. This was never on purpose. It was always an, it was an accident from the very beginning. But I started a movement feel to where people started jumping on board. In 48 hours, we had sold out of our 400 memberships that we were going to start with, and they were 147 apiece. And people were just – and that was great. But it was a movement. People felt like there was another reason above all the other obvious reasons, above all the features and benefits on the list, on the page, and all of that kind of stuff. There was another thing, and it was a we're in this together kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. I accidentally started that. I didn't do it on purpose, but any time that I could do that from that point forward, I did. I wanted to make people feel like they were a part of something bigger than themselves, and they weren't just buying a $27 a month service or a $2,000 program or, or whatever, they were part of something. And it seems like you have you are the world's latest example, at least in our world, of someone who has tapped into that again. What what mm-hmm. a great reminder. What a great reminder that we should always be, you know, this may be the thing that a lot of people are talking about when they say, you know, do what drives you, you know, what you're passionate about. Because only in that passion are you going to be able to you know, develop that kind of a feel, right? It's it's the only way that it can really happen. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's funny that you say that happened by accident for you because for me, it also, it, the all those sales that I made of the $27 thing, uh, that was also by accident because one of my very close friends who is in the same niche world and has um, a you know, very successful. She sent out an email and she said she sent a couple of pictures of, of us together from over the years and she said, Here's the thing and she's the one who thought of this particular way to communicate what was happening. She said, Because my friend is an entrepreneur, if she had a job, a regular job, she wouldn't be dealing with the issues that she's dealing with. But because she's an entrepreneur they're making her jump through all these extra hoops. And that is the truth. That is exactly what happened. I just didn't think to put it in those words the way she did. And exactly what you said happened. All of these people who have ever felt like, you know what, the world does try to make it harder on us as entrepreneurs. That stinks. And we are all in this together. we got to support each other. I'm going to support you, girl. And that's what happened yeah. exactly. That's that exact same feeling of, we are all in this together, and I'm going to help you because you're one of you're like me. Ah, it's crazy. It's really crazy uh, that we don't incorporate that on purpose more often. Like this is a giant reminder for you. It's probably going to stay fresh in your mind for a long, long time to come. And you're cool. You're good. But you know, for other people, they might just get a taste of this in their business and not know exactly where it came from because they weren't paying attention exactly to what was going on, and they lose it and they go back to business as usual. They never really, they, you know, it, it, it's a, one of my missions to make sure that people are aware of this and reminding themselves of these kinds of things because that's really what when people are talking about the very uh, sterile description of what social media is and how people or humans are connecting all over the world and language barriers completely dropped away, instant translation exists and instant this and that, instant access to information and people and things and news and events. They talk about it in that way, but what I don't think that the, the, the general marketing community at large has really understood yet is that that's what has changed our marketing. If you've changed anything over the years, this is likely one of the things that you've tried to change. You've had to become more personable. You've had to become more real. You've had to become 
But why? It's because that's what people really truly prefer in this mm-hmm. world, in this age. It's not going down to the corner hardware store anymore and talking to Opie <laughs> as much as a lot of people would really like to go back to that, including me. That would be really cool if Opie was at the corner hardware store. But there's no corner hardware store anymore. There's no community in real communities. The only community is in fake communities <laughs> in some sense it, at certain times of day, depending on your context. Now, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because if you think like that and you stop becoming a community member or stop being a community member in the real world, but and I think a lot of people have done that. It's like, ah, why bother? Nobody will be there. It's not the same as it used to be. But for whatever reason, that kind of energy is what's coming on to social, and it's like, wow, okay, business, pleasure, uh, personal. I can't see the lines anymore. The the internet mm-hmm. has just obliterated those lines, and 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 so people feel. I think people, customers, consumers, like me, I'm one of those, uh, feel a little uncomfortable interacting with a business that is just all business like it's weird anymore it's just it's like mm-hmm. you have the power to be real i know you've got p hello hello who's back there behind the screen i know there's people there i know you know and so i think a lot of us are kind of gravitating toward doing business with people who are people instead of businesses like people just started putting their own pictures on their um business pages instead of their logos they, and mm-hmm. they're going to continue doing that because it's like, wait a minute, it's about people. I know I have a logo. I know I have a business. But people want to know about me first or want to know about, okay, I get this. I'm starting to get it. Do you feel like people are going in that direction a lot more now? Do, are they getting that in your world? Oh, 100%. You know, I mean, it's it's been around for a very long time, but not until people, like regular people, regular small business people have had access to the Internet has it happened. If you think back to celebrity, um, to celebrity status, fan magazines from like the 40s and the 50s, they would follow these movie stars around and the paparazzi would take their pictures of them doing everyday kinds of things. Of course, paparazzi is still around, still taking pictures of celebrities doing everyday kinds of things. Why? Well, because, yes, people like to see them in the movies. Yes, they like to see them doing their thing that they do but they also want to know that their lives are just like everybody else's lives. And so this, this, this um, culture of celebrity has been built, and we now live in that. And it's okay for someone who's not a celebrity but maybe wants to be a celebrity in their niche to take on some of that. I'm not only doing this business thing, I'm also... I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a, you know, I'm, you're, you're a husband, you're a father, you're a, you know, you, we, you travel, you like certain things, I'm a dog owner, my dog is a rescue dog, I have that. Like all of a sudden, people are finding something in common with folks that they're looking at as other business owners. And the more successful a person gets, I think the more down to earth, if, if the, more, the more down to earth that they are as well, the more people will continue to like them and the fewer, quote, haters they'll end up with. So that, because you seem like a real person. You're dealing with the same kind of issues everybody else is dealing with. Oh, gosh, the dog grew up on the carpet. You know, like, it doesn't matter how much money somebody (laughs) makes. If you have a dog, your dog's going to throw up on the carpet at some point in your life, right? Like, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, oh, okay, so this person puts their pants, you know, their pants on the same as I do, one leg at a time, right? So, I mean, it, it it gives that sense of, they're a real person, um, and, and I think the more there's a trend of bigger businesses also going down this path, and they're learning. They're trying mm-hmm. to do what we're, we're trying to do, what we, what we already doing very successfully. Is they're trying to figure out right, how do we tell individual stories of individual people that are working for this company, and some big multinational companies are now starting to learn Let's showcase the human beings that work here. And that does amazing things for them at, you know, at the big corporate level. And they're watching us do it, and they're saying, well, how can we keep doing that? So, you know, if you're listening to this and you're not already freely sharing who you are, what you're about, and doing it in a way that is, that is supportive, that's positive, and that's empowering, then you're, make, you're missing a big, huge opportunity, and a, lot, and a lot of folks have done that. Now, there's, a, there's also a flip side. 
and I was talking to another very successful person recently, and she was saying, you know, I don't share a lot of my personal world with people because I don't, I don't want them to feel like they have access to everything in my life. But she does share family things that are that are happening near and far, and she shares when she goes on vacation, and she so she's sharing enough so that her people feel like, wow, they really know her. And so she actually was proving my point, like, yeah, maybe people don't know everything about you, but they know enough that they feel like you're a real person, and then they can relate to you. And that's what it's all about, is relatability and, and feeling like, wow, I know you, and we're, like, we're, we're in this world together. Yeah. Yeah, and you have to be your own paparazzi. You have yeah. to follow yourself around and go, well, that never seemed interesting to me, but here I am outside with my dog pooping uh, because the conference went long and the dog needed to go out <laughs> or whatever, you know? <laughs> and, like, yeah, that's what you got to do. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's just natural. I, I, I don't like to think that there's, there's a possibility that people would think, okay, so there must be a formula. Please don't think there's a formula. There's no mm-hmm. formula. I mean, you can really be outed, you know, very, very quickly within the first three seconds that you post something unfortunate, something you thought was going to be like something where you were too aware of what you were doing, I guess is the best way to say it. But, I mean, to be natural, that's not a formula. You just forget you ever heard all of the advice and stop, you know, close your Excel spreadsheet and quit trying to make it an algorithm and just go be and do however you feel. That's good enough. Mm-hmm. That's, it, that's the best thing that you could possibly do. I can't yep. do it like Felicia does it, and I don't want to. I've learned mm-hmm. that even though it's really, really great for her, it can only be great for her. She's the only one who can do it the way she does it. Nobody else could even emulate it. And if you tried to emulate it, it would be so obvious and transparent. So you just mm-hmm. I think some people just get a little scared about they look at the outside world, and the outside world is all highlight reel, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there's very few dog pooping videos out there. It's all pictures <laughs> of vacations and, and things like that. And so people think people's dogs don't poop, which is, of course, not true. Like you said, they do. Right. <laughs> and, and other things, things go bad in the world. You know, for you to open up and say, um, you know, I don't already have all the money I need for this house. I'm going to need a little help. I'm going to need to do something. I'm going to have to hustle. You know, that breaks the fourth wall right there of people who think, man, Felicia, she is just mad. She's probably got a million dollars just sitting in the bank, just cash for whatever mm-hmm. she, or whatever. You know, what mm-hmm. people's preconceived ideas of all of, of everyone. Um, Gina loves to tell a story about um, guys who, uh, you know, came up and were, you know, always taking pictures in front of really fancy cars and houses and everything else. And then finding out later, without absolutely mentioning any names, but later finding out they weren't nearly as well off as we all thought mm-hmm. they were, you know? Mm-hmm. And most, most people aren't nearly as well off if you're, I mean, who, who knows what your definition of well off is in the first place? But, you know, and that's a really good identifying feature. That's like, okay, you're human. Wow, okay, mm-hmm. you, still mm-hmm. have, you still think about money sometimes. You know, you're not just eating bonbons all day long. You're you're uh, the new blue collar in a sense. And why does blue collar have to mean only forty thousand dollars a year? You can still be in in every sense of the word. The you know, unless you're Richard Branson, flying all over the damn world and having multiple uh, billion dollar companies, there's an awful lot of leeway between that and all the rest of us. And mm-hmm. all the rest of us are the new digital blue collars, maybe. Maybe you could, I don't know. I think there's probably too much baggage attached to that word. Uh, we'll see. You guys can uh, write in on the show notes and <laughs> in the comments below and, <laughs> and let me know if that's a good one. We'll, we'll come up with a new one. But, yeah, people are real, and that's what's important. And it really gets a message across. And, I mean, you're just the greatest example of, that we have right now of that uh, happening. It gets kind of tiresome for people to theoretically talk about it, and and we had for quite a long time before we had a good in our own um, a basket or in our own industry example, a real life example of that happening. So thank you so much for all of that, and congratulations mm-hmm. once again. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You know, we um, one of the kind of what brought me here today was we were talking about um, the hustle piece. 
And um, if it's all right to you, I just have a couple of sentences that I wrote on Facebook about the backlash of the hustle. Absolutely. And I'd love to hear, I want to hear your thoughts um, because I, I think you probably held back a little bit knowing that we, I was going to be here on the show. So, um, so what I wrote was, uh, what the heck is it with the grind and hustle backlash I've been seeing? Apparently, they're Internet marketer type people pushing that as a way to run a business, but I'm only connected to the ones who are clearly against it. Interesting to not see the first part, the part about the grind and the hustle, and to see my friend talking about how that's not what it's about. All these years, for me, it's been about being there for my kids and my husband. I work hard when it's time to work, and then I'm done. Are there days when I work way longer hours after everyone is in bed? Yep, they happen. And, of course, when I travel to speak, I'm not home. But those days are the exception and not the rule. Running my own business, to me, means being able to enjoy my life and my work because if it's not, then what's it all for? And that's what got all those comments and all of that conversation going. So, yeah. you know, I, I, the, the whole concept of that, that grind and hustle, like I get, I mean, I did it. I hustled hard for a period, a small, short period. I can't imagine that as my everyday life. Every day, mm-hmm. existence, constantly grind, 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 like I could do that for as a job. Else. Well, truthfully, it's not anybody's everyday existence. And, uh, you know, it, it's a young person's game. When you don't have kids or any other responsibilities, the guys that we're talking about, everybody knows who, in general, the, 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 the avatar we're talking about here, they're always young. They always have tons and tons of energy because they don't have kids or other response, any of that stuff. And, and some of us can remember being that way too when we first started. It was easy to grind and hustle. That's all you had to do. It gets kind of lonely and, and boring in your life with nothing else going on if you aren't grinding and hustling or doing something and working long hours. But one of the things that's a kind of a lie about that is that I enjoyed the crap out of it when I was doing it. When I had the energy for it and when I was doing it, it wasn't pain and suffering. It wasn't like doing push-ups all day long, just boring and painful and suffrage. I was doing what I loved. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, I could have easily gone out and written a blog post about how, man, if you want to get where I am, you've got to grind and hustle like I did. But I couldn't have written that blog post because I didn't think of myself as grinding and hustling. I didn't think of it as a trial by fire, as a gateway to what was good on the other side. I was enjoying the journey. Mm-hmm. And so when people started coming out with that stuff, I looked at it and I'm like, that's, that's not truthful. What you're saying is not even truthful because I bet you anything, if I got you in a room alone, there was no audience, nobody was looking, and I really got you to say why you work the way you do, you're going to 90% of the time say you enjoy it. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love figuring stuff out. I love making products that help people. I love figuring out how to get people aware of the products that will help them. I love, love, love it. And you're in a point in your life where you can do that. Now, it's really dangerous to live your life by the highlight reel of the rest of the Internet. Only, people are only putting up mainly, you know, here's what's happening. Here's the latest stuff, the cliff notes. You know, they didn't talk about how much that day they sweat and they toiled mm-hmm. and they worked and trudged. Um, a lot of people aren't aware of that being a sacrifice because they were having fun the whole time they were doing it. And every once in a while, so in the Leverage Black Book, I talk about, you know, leverages are not lazy. We work hard when we need to work hard. It's just I have to be very objective and take a third-party view at what I'm doing to see that that probably looks like work to other people. But if you're in your zone, if you're in your happy place, and you're, you know, you're the only person there that thinks you're not working at all. You know, it doesn't even occur to you. It'd be like telling a fish they're swimming. They'll be like, what, are you, what is swimming? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the difference. And so when everybody does this, I know it's just a gimmick. Uh, they might not be aware that they're being gimmicky, um, but it is truly a gimmick because it's not even being honest with themselves. Most people, um, Gary Vaynerchuk has got a sickness, right? He has got the hustle thing. I mean, that is his whole makeup. If anybody could say, you, you pull a thousand people who know him mm-hmm. and, and describe him in one word, the vast majority of the words are going to be hustle, right? He, mm-hmm. he reinvented mm-hmm. the word. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, he's aware that what he does looks to a lot of other people like work because thousands of people have come up to him and shaken his hand in all these events everywhere around the world saying, I cannot believe how hard you work. I cannot believe, and it's probably the first time that it ever occurred to him 
when that first started happening that what he does could be perceived by other people as work. Mm-hmm. But the secret is he's a workaholic. It's in his genes. It's in his very makeup. It's in his DNA to constantly be on the move. How many people have known people like Gary Vaynerchuk in your lives? Uh, you know, a little ball of fire. You can never get them to sit on a couch for more than two seconds. They're always talking. They're always fired up about something. They're ready to go. They're blah, 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 bouncing off the walls all the time. That's their makeup. That's who they are. A lot of you probably have friends like that, friends you had before, that were, you know, uh, in college or something. But, you know, be, somebody being who they are, it's not fair to label that person as a, a hustler and a hard worker and a you know, if you're trying to prove a point about what it takes to succeed. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to prove a point about what it takes to succeed, it's not fair to point to Gary and go, see, you've got to work your butt off. Now, Gary's kind of milking that, right? He's doing that. He's, he's kind of the guy pointing to himself saying, you've got to be like me, and I have an issue with that. And a lot of people do. And, and a lot of people pointed him out in your thread when you were, when you were bringing mm-hmm. that up. Uh, mm-hmm. He's the number one poster child for work and hustle. But I think people just misunderstand it. And, you know, you'd look at me, and, and, and in, in the book, I write all kinds of stuff about how you cut corners. You don't do needless, useless um, things when you can be more efficient and you can draw a straighter line between point A and point B and get there faster. You always do that as a leveragist. But it doesn't mean that there aren't times when Gina and I work our butts off. We're working our butts off right now. Um, but I'm only saying that not because I'm complaining. I'm saying that because other people looking from the outside would recognize what we're doing as work. But we're not really feeling like we are working our butts off. We're just busy being passionate about our next project and, and having it come out and, and, and doing everything that we can to make that happen because we love it. So I couldn't fairly call what I'm doing work, even though everybody else looking, because it's not their passion, would say the same thing. You look like you're working really hard. So I think the whole I think the whole thing's kind of disingenuous. It's a really thin layer view of of a much deeper uh, topic and a, a deeper ideal of what it is we do when we put forth effort toward a goal that we have. So I don't know. I think most of it is just a gimmick, and I think people got fed up with it. And I think you heard a lot about that on your your thread when you brought it up. Mhm. Yeah. You know, I I uh, I like your perspective. Really interesting. Um, just conversation about it's if it if it, it doesn't it doesn't feel like work to people and that's what's so interesting to me like one of the things that um, that I fell into because I I people like the way I interact on social media is how are you doing that how are you connecting with people like that on social media and and tell me you know tell me what's what's the formula what's the you know, are there are there so many? Are you on so many hours a day? Are you on for so many minutes at such times? And where? And I'm like, I'm just talking to people. The end. Like, there's no to the end to somebody else. Like, oh, I I need to be on there, and I don't know when I gotta. You know, what are the times and and how long and how many posts should I make in a day and how many? You know, what should be the percentage of what yeah. I share from somebody else versus what I post about myself? Or I'm like, I just I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm I, I'm sure there are. I mean, I know that there are statistics out there, and there are you know algorithms and things that people have come up with. But for me, it's just about like I think people might be interested in this, so I'm going to share it. And I think the people that I'm yeah. connected with, you know, I, that's where I am. I feel like, well, I know who I'm connected with. I know who you know. I'm on social media for my work. I do have friends. I do have family that are also connected to me on social media, people that I know in real life, some people I've known for 30 or more years at your real in real life um, that I'm connected with on social media, and they will comment on things occasionally, but I recognize that I'm there for work. And so I think, all right, so who are the people that I'm connected with for work? And if I see something that is a news story that I think that would be interesting to them, well, I'll share that because maybe this will be useful for them, or maybe they'll find it interesting too. Or if I find something that's yeah. cute or that's funny or that's interesting, like, well, I'll share that too. But I'm not purposely mining the Internet looking for stuff like that. I'm just going about my everyday life. And some people would say, oh, my gosh, she's really working hard on social media. She's really 
working it. She's, you know, she's hustling on there. And I'm like, I'm um, just I bet she has mind. an algorithm. Yeah, yeah. I bet you have an algorithm. Yeah, and like you said, yeah. you're like, no, it's not. It's, to me, it doesn't feel like I'm working. I'm just going about my life doing what I do to get this stuff in front of people that I want to get in front of them. Like you said, like, yeah, some people might look at what we're doing as putting together a product and, wow, you're working really hard on next project. And, like, no, we're just doing what we got to do so that it can be done and help people. Well, I think there, there's something to be said, and it might sound a little bit harsh, but you're not really into what you do. If you don't know at any given point what you might say if somebody said, go sit down on Facebook and, sit and share something right now, right now. Yeah. If you feel like you have to go and look for something to share, like, like you might have to go look for a link, but I have to go look for something to share because I have no idea what I would, what I would then you're not that. even really in your own game. You're not even yeah. in the game at all. So I think that's what people are thinking. It's like I know this from the other side because I created software, Curation Soft, and, and uh, other, other things to help people with this because at the time I thought, well, this is what people need. They need ideas. They need things that help them come up with ideas for things to publish. And to be fair, it was because we had a lot of clients who were doing um, websites in all kinds of niches that they didn't have any experience with. They just knew that they were good niches to be in and to publish in. So I, I'm not going to throw them completely under the bus, but but they they didn't have any idea in those niches, understandably, what to say. But if it's your niche and you're the expert and you're not keeping up on things and you, you don't open up something in the morning or afternoon or whenever and get caught up on the latest news and some of that uh, then being able to share that with your people, then you're not even in your own game. That that mm-hmm. would say everything that I would need to know if it was a new client about what to do next, which would be, hey, do you want to make a decision here about whether you're in business or not? I mean, do you really mm-hmm. want to really do this? Because I'm telling you, you don't, you're not even in business. So, yeah, it's just natural. There's no algorithms. There's no spreadsheets. We find that all the time. You know, you're the latest in the people to come onto the show and say basically the same thing. It's just I just do this. I'm always mm-hmm. pressing people for what's your algorithm, how you do this. Like, what you have a, like software that helps you do blah blah blah, and and the answer is almost always no. I'm just no. <laughs> that just mm-hmm. exact, exactly the way that you explained it. Yeah. Well, and then and I mean that's that's what happened with um, with Gary V. I mean Gary V got on Twitter because, like what you said earlier, he can't sit still. So when Twitter came out and all he had was 140 characters, he got to bring his mind TV to Twitter and his ADD personality that he loves. And I, I'm ADD, too, so I'm all about, I love Twitter, too. And all of a sudden, he became a big deal because there was a lot of us with ADD on Twitter, like, oh, he's funny. That's cool stuff. <laughs> and that's how he grew. It was very organic to the way he normally interacts with people in the outside world, he just did that on Twitter and and recognized, was smart enough to go and have enough people asking him, Gary, what are you doing and how are you doing it, to go, huh, I could turn this into a whole different kind of business beyond wine TV. And all of a sudden, now he had a whole other business that kind of fell into his lap just by being who he was. And what, uh, doing what other people see as hustle. And like you said, enough people probably shook his hand and said, wow, you're really hustling. I'm like, oh, I guess they're seeing me as really hustling. I'll talk about what that's about. <laughs> I'll make that one of my ten books. I'll make that one, yeah, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's enough. The, 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 the beauty of this connected world that we live in now is that there's so much going on at any given moment. You could share something that seems fairly obvious to you that it probably was shared before, most certainly was shared before, but there will be a lot of people who follow you in particular that, don't, that didn't see it and would not have probably had you not shared it. So I think a lot of people get in these little tiny bubbles and they think, man, the Internet is only so big. My niche on the Internet is really, really tiny. The number of people who would be interested in this thing that I have is just nothing in comparison to something else. And so... If I share something, it's probably already been shared by that other bigger person who's been doing this for longer than me, and they share everything first. And the thing is, we're algorithmically – now, I, this is kind of going back on what we just said, but algorithmically it's impossible because of the way Facebook in particular works, and lots yep. of social sites do, 
that everybody sees everything at any given mm-hmm. point. You don't know when people are around their phone. You, 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 that kind of viewpoint, it makes it seem like people are just sitting on their couches or at their desks just waiting for you or other people to post, and nobody's doing that. Everybody mm-hmm. waits for their phone to vibrate and, or bing or something like that in their pocket, and then they go, what, what's up? What's up? What's here? Mm-hmm. And if they're in a mm-hmm. meeting, they don't do that. So they missed it. And if you don't post it later, they're never going to see it, you know. And that's the way it always works. Organically now, that is how everything works. So everybody should, should kind of maybe, like, who's feeling that way or has felt that way, chill out a little bit on that feeling, and, and you'll, you'll be able to, you know, do an awful lot of other things. I mean, do you ever worry when you're posting stuff, whether it was a great big story or not, and probably other people shared it and saw it or whatever. I mean, what do you do in that situation? You just probably don't even think about it, right? You just post. No, I just post. You know what's funny is because I understand Facebook's algorithm and that the more people that you get liking, commenting, and sharing your posts, the more your posts show in other people's feeds, right, who aren't typically commenters on yours. So I know that. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's, I mean, we don't know what the exact – mathematical formula is because then somebody would come along with software and try to out, you know, outthink Facebook. So they don't share that, like Google doesn't share their algorithms. But um, we know that the more people like, comment, and share our posts, the more it gets served up to our friends, followers, whatever. So I know that. So I, I'm thinking, well, all right, so I see a news story or I see something and I think, oh, this might be something that lots of people are going to be interested in share and, and talk about. And I post it and, you know, I get send seven comments and you know, nobody shares it, you know, maybe 25 likes or something. And I'm like, well, that was a dud. <laughs> you know? And I can hear I'm thinking it was a big thing. And other times I just post whatever or whatever, you know, I, I write something. Um, and I, I have, I've kind of, for me, I've, I've figured out when I share something from the heart, uh, and I like to write, I've, I've been trained as a writer, so... I am a communicator, I'm a professional, you know, that's what I do. So I, I've learned that when I write something from the heart and then I take it, um, something that's happening in my life, and then I turn it into a, a lesson for the people who are reading, that will typically get me a lot of likes and a lot of comments and a lot of, uh, and maybe even some shares. But I don't do it for that. I do it because whoever is going to see it, I think it will benefit them. And... I actually like to test my concepts. And so I'll, I'll put some ideas out there and I'll put some thoughts down. And then I want to see, are people going to like this or are people not going to like it? So I do test some things, but I would say 80% of what I do is very organically. I'm going about my life doing whatever. And I think it would be fun to show this picture of where I am right now with my kids because they look silly or whatever, you know. And I'll just, mm-hmm. you know, I just share that. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I think it's really funny. When I uh, quit smoking three years ago, I think maybe four. Gosh, it's been a while. I put a little line up on because this is a very daring thing to do. You you tell people something, and I kind of did it for that reason. You can't go back on it. You can't start smoke. They can't see you smoking again. If you put, right. I mean, it's going to hurt if they do. They probably understand. It's a very addictive thing. So. Uh, but I didn't want to completely come out with a great big old picture and do everything that everybody in the social media blogs say that we should do with a picture mm-hmm. with a certain amount of, you know, 20%. And I just put, you know, hey, I just quit smoking. I just, you know, I quit. And I couldn't believe how much. That was one of the most successful posts I ever had on Facebook as it pertains to how much engagement I got on that thing. I did everything wrong. I basically did the equivalent of whispering on social media. Mm -hmm. I kind (laughs) of wanted people to see it, and I kind of didn't want to see it. And, man, more people commented on that. People have commented on that thing that have since never commented again on anything I've posted in the three or four years since that. That Mm -hmm. got to them. It was mm-hmm. just a one-liner about. They were like, "Go for it, yeah." They, they were, they understood immediately what that must be like. If even if they're not smokers, never were smokers, they've seen people and how hard that is to do, and it just seemed like everybody wanted to come and support. I'm like, crap, mm-hmm. that wasn't. Wow. I mean, I should have put a picture I, on I there. Even, I didn't even do that on purpose. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I didn't even do that on purpose. Wow. Yep. I, and then yeah. and sometimes that's really the way it is. Like. People, oh, you gotta share. You gotta share a photo. You gotta share a video, and you, you, 
I need to say a little bit about it. And like, no, 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 you don't. It's, yeah. it's just, if you do something from, this is where I am in my world and in my life, and I just, I'm just going to put it out there and kind of see what happens, people will react. Yeah. And, um, and, or not. I mean, like, we don't know, but it's, it's on us to put it out there. And, um, you know, and then kind of just let, let the chips fall where they may, really. Yeah. So I would dub you a, a, a natural leveragist. You just seem to be in the right place at the right time, and a lot of times in your life you just things happen for you, and if anybody was trying to pin you down for your formula, you wouldn't be able to tell them because you don't have one exactly. I mean, it's not really a formula when it's only got mm-hmm. three moving parts. Um, well, and you. the does biggest one being be genuine. What's that? Being a natural leveragist, when you dub me that, does that come with a tiara or a sash or anything? Some flowers? It comes with a tiara and one of those little uh, <laughs> things that you hold when you're being coronated. I don't know what that is, so, but we'll get it. you one. It's going to be dual oh, encrusted good. for sure. So thank you so much. I love that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but you're, you know, I think for me, I'm not. I I like the way that you describe that, and I would call myself a connector because. Um, and I think connecting, connecting other people and leveraging is a very similar skill set. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm always thinking, like, well, you know, I met Jack. You know who Jack, I think one, I know somebody who would be great on Jack's show because Jack's a great natural interviewer and he likes to have a conversation. And I want to connect Jack with, you know, whoever, right? And I, like, or I, I may not be thinking of it in that, in the moment that you were like, oh, who do you know who could be on our show? You know, some people do that. I know you guys have plenty of folks and you've never asked me, but just as an example, and lots of people said, who do you think we could have on our show or who could we interview for our, uh, you know, for my, my blog or whatever, right? And, I'm, and I think, like, I don't really, I'm not sure. But then I'll be talking to somebody later on. And it'll come to me, and I'll go, oh, you could be a great fit for so-and-so. Let me introduce you. And I just do that, and very often I'll just say, so go make beautiful things happen together. I'm out. Good luck. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't need to be a part of the details. I just wanted to connect you two folks, and if it works out, great. And if it doesn't work out, that's okay. You know, there's other people to meet and so forth. But, um, and, and I think that's really been a big part of, why I've been able to make so many connections myself is because I'm always looking for ways to connect other people. And then I try to, I, I don't, I just, I don't really try. I naturally will leverage um, the results of that. So thank you so much for being here because we did need to get this story told and on our channel. I know it's being told uh, in other places, but I really appreciate you taking the time to be here today because it's just dripping with leverage. And everywhere you look at your story, every way you look at it, it's like, wow, okay, okay, there's a lesson here, a lesson there. It's just, I don't know. I think that the, 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 your story and this show will go down as one of the best this year just for the amount of oomph it has behind it, um, both an inspiration and the energy people should be getting from it and, and just to go out and do their thing and, and thrive. And, uh, and use leverage in a natural way and just really replicate your story as much as they can in their own businesses because it's possible because you're proving that, once again, what we talk about in theory, sometimes people do in real life. <laughs> and it actually is that way. And let me ask so one you. quick question. Felicia, do you happen to remember approximately the month and year you started the campaign for the house so we can point people to your Facebook profile to see it? Yes, so people want to see that. It was May 23rd, 2016. No way. And you're already in the house? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Holy <Yeah>. crap. <laughs> I don't, oh, I don't my know. gosh. I'm blown away. Guys, go yeah. look. May, May 2016, Felicia Slattery on Facebook. Go see it in action. Holy cow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what day did you move yeah. into the house? Um, we closed on June 17th. So less than a month, guys. Three weeks. Yes, it ma'am. is doable. Mm-hmm. You heard it here first. Wow. Great show, you two. It was Thanks awesome. 
Thanks, Felicia. We'll be back same time, same place next week, guys. Got to hear it continue. Bye, everybody. Thanks, Jack. Thanks, Felicia. Bye-bye. Tune in next week for another episode of Leverage Masters. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook on our Leverage Blackbook page to keep up with the latest. We'll see you next time on Leverage Masters. Bye.